Welcome back, everyone. Thanks again for joining us here at the SoundLogic Podcast. And today we are discussing album number 64 on Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 Greatest Albums of All Time list. This is Stankonia by Outkast. It's only been uh, like 15 albums since we talked about Outkast the last time. Um, I feel like this new list hasn't done that a whole lot like we we've had a lot of different artists with a few a few repeats but getting one uh that's the same so close feels somewhat unusual for this 2020 list so i'm curious if that influences our conversation much given that it's not too long ago that we last talked about them but um yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to it uh we learned some things last time and hopefully that helps shape our time here with this one I think so, because as I was listening to this in preparation, I, I kept kind of comparing it to mm, yeah. Aquamanai, because number yeah. one, it's the only other Outcast album I've <laughs> listened to, yeah. so that's ignorance on my part. Number two, it was the last one by them, or only one we've reviewed, and number three, yep. it was the album that directly preceded this album, so it right. kind of right. makes sense. Um and you, it's a good way to kind of start there and then go here because it follows the evolution of them as artists. So yeah, yeah, no, this is uh, this is good. It's a good way to start. Do uh, you want some details before we dive into it? Yeah, let's go. Details, 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 details. Stankonia was released uh, October thirty first, so Halloween of the year two thousand. This is their fourth studio album. Uh, they're the primary songwriters uh, on, I think, just about every track with, of course, as we've discussed with hip-hop albums, many others who helped produce and write. Um, it charted pretty well. It went number 10 in the UK, number 2 in the US. I, <laughs> I told you I like to look up. If an album comes number 2, what came number 1? Like, what was mm, better this yeah. when it came out? Um, I don't know... How many of our fans will be excited by the album that came first? I'm I'm embarrassed. Uh, <laughs> uh, 2000 was a year, and I counted uh, almost half of the number one albums. So 52 weeks, almost half of them were hip hop albums in the year 2000. Wow, that's wow. an exciting thing. However, uh, the album that was number one the week that this came out was I don't think we'd call it hip hop. It was uh, Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water by Limp Biscuit. Wow. Still relevant? (laughs) 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 Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) What is that? Is that hard rock? I don't even know what is that. What is that? Uh, Rap core? Oh, yeah. Yeah, You're in the neighborhood there. I think it's, yeah. Anyways... Um, <laughs> Outcast, although not as active right now, I think had a little more longevity, but that's not what this podcast is for. I just always interesting when you got a number two album. What's the number one? Okay, so uh, sales uh, very well, five times platinum in the U.S. So that's five million in the U.S. Um, I don't think maybe less than a million outside the U.S. So over five million. 
Uh, so very, very successful. A um, couple things, uh, very interesting notes in the production of this. So their previous album was Aquemini, I think 1998. Yes. I think it was when that one came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but this album was recorded in uh, their recently purchased Atlanta recording facility, a facility called Stankonia Studios. Oh. Uh, so they, they named the, the studio first when they bought it and then they named the album after the studio i mean lots of people done that right like electric ladyland and abbey road like this is not a new thing uh, to name the album after the studio right um so stanconia was a word another portmanteau because we already talked about aquemini was a portmanteau uh words created by guys in the band so andre 3000 created this uh it's a portmanteau of stank um which is which means like funky, uh, mm-hmm. and Plutonia, which is the title of a poster in his bedroom depicting a futuristic city. So you get Stankonio, and as he explains, Stankonio is this place I imagined where you can open yourself up and be free to express anything. So it's kind of like the creative <laughs> space. Okay, so Stankonia, that's where you get Stankonia from. I like that. That's um, helpful. The he. Um, the studio had previously been owned by Bobby Brown. And uh, it was important because it was important to them because uh, the first some of the first tracks they ever laid down as a duo or at least together were in that studio. Oh, uh, when it, it before they bought like year like in in the early '90s or late '80s, so that had uh, personal significance to them. That was another reason they bought it. Uh, so the album debuted at number two. On Billboard 200, that's where it started. That's that was as high as it got, but that was the first week. Went to number two, sold over 530,000 copies in the first week. Wow. So it was really big when it came out. Yeah, uh, three singles: uh, "So Fresh, So Clean," "Miss Jackson," and "Bob" or "Bombs Over uh, Bombs Over Baghdad." I want to say "Bombs Over Broadway," but that's. <laughs> That's squad five oh yeah anyways uh and bob which is bombs over baghdad um uh, miss jackson became the group's first single to hit number one on the billboard hot 100 and at the 2001 grammy awards outcast won best rap album for stankonia and best rap performance by duo group for miss jackson so lots of really interesting stuff about um the success of it and how it was created okay so let's move on to the album artwork so really interesting i'll i'll describe it briefly Uh, of course if if you're not familiar look it up so it's got the two guys front and center on the front uh big boy with his uh actually often has his hair up uh his hair is down Mm. um white t-shirt and a chain uh andre 3000 on the other hand Hair looks like straightened, band uh, bandana on, uh, no shirt, uh, and he's quite a <laughs> quite a muscular guy. Uh, hands stretched out in front of him, yeah. fingers splayed as if he were playing an imaginary piano, if you can imagine that, or letting his nails dry, yeah. one or the other. Um, and uh, uh, he looks like he may have been spritzed. <laughs> he's a little <laughs> shiny. Um, okay, and they're in front of an American flag, but it is not a regular American flag. Uh, there's two differences. One, uh, it's all black and white. Mm-hmm. There's no color. Uh, do you notice the second thing, Ben? 
I see that the stars are upside down. Yes, the stars are all have the point down. Yeah. Okay, so um, I tried to look this up, and I didn't find a whole lot. Did you find anything on the significance of this on the cover there? No, I think people speculate that um, black and white kind of refers to that there are at least two Americas, you know, kind of Mm. depending on your skin color, Mm -hmm. you have a different experience of America and um, perhaps something a little subversive with the upside down stars, which are often sort of an anarchist kind of uh, of thing, or sometimes in other counter cultural uh, uh, symbolism. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's vivid though. And I, I love the contrast of the black and white flag with them in full color. Uh, yeah. uh Andre 3000, um, has a bit of, uh, he reminds me of the Al Green greatest hits cover where he's also okay. shirtless and kind of playful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, he's not smiling, uh, on this cover, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I wondered if there was any kind of, um, homage or nod to that, uh, that right. play- playfulness of that cover too yeah um, the, the, apparently this flag uh, was not just simply a prop and then thrown out but it, it actually hangs on the wall in their studio oh, no that way. you mentioned oh, okay. and it's a, enormous apparently it takes up almost the entire wall uh, that it's hanging oh, wow. huh. uh, so they have held on to it and have used that symbol uh, as backdrop in tours that they've done and, uh, and things like that there's an iconic image of them playing uh massive massive outdoor show in uh in atlanta where they're performing kind of inside a cube and the cube has the sort of see-through version of this flag uh all around it uh, oh interesting which is which is really kind of interesting yeah um i don't know it's got something playful and really serious about it and uh <laughs> at the same time right at the same time it's not yeah, the I album like cover of theirs that i'm quickly comes to mind when I think of Outcast, um, but it, it looks really well done and, uh, and powerful. Yeah. Uh, that, that was a tooth. I, I agree with you. And, and those things came to mind. Number one, I imagine that this is, you know, this is the flag of Stankonia. Like yeah. This is mm. the, the national or city flag, depending on what uh, the like place that. is. Yeah. Uh, but also there's that little bit of anti-American, um, sentiment in there not not that they were trying to make to start a movement or make a statement but it's always just a reality isn't it um yeah. that 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 there are two americas and that there are you know two kind of sorry at least two you're right at least two yeah uh, kind of different worlds um yeah really, really interesting but there's something kind of kind of light and playful and uh just almost poppy about it or you know, it's just a nice, clean, mm-hmm. clear, fresh image of the two guys in color, but with this kind of ominous uh, backdrop of this, uh, I don't want to say disfigured flag, but uh, changed flag. Yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah and, and, and I'm, you know, we are the first to admit that we're not lyrics first people, and, and maybe that's right. why hip hop is not a sweet spot for us. But um, a number of these songs talk about the politics of the United States at that time and even still today, you know, even even specifically about our presence in the Middle East and, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, poverty and justice. So I love the, the um, seriousness of this, the powerfulness of it, and the I think it just pokes at this thing that's often held up as like, 
you know, you know, even at school, um, my kids stand up every morning pledging allegiance to a flag, which we try and get them to talk through like what this is ridiculous. <laughs> Apologize uh, yeah. for any patriots out there, but um, that we even even before our country, we honor uh, the flag <laughs> and yeah. uh, and here it is sort of juxtaposed. I think it's really, really neat. I'm glad you 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 brought that up because being in Canada, um, I often forget that that's that's a part of of daily school life. Yeah, you know, yeah. For for you know, for over a decade for kids, and then I guess I don't know if they do it in university classes, Ben, um, in the morning or if there's anything like that. Do you do they play the anthem too? No, it's the uh, Pledge of Allegiance, oh, they, which oh, is they. really fascinating. Oh, okay. Yeah, Canadians See, would have the anthem. Uh, yeah, in, on and, in Canada. Yeah. And anybody who's not in Canada, uh, we don't pledge allegiance, but every morning yeah. they play the anthem. And right. you stand up. You, you don't have to sing it. Right. And most people wouldn't. I can't remember ever singing it. But you do have to stand up, stand at attention, you know, yeah. hats off. Yeah. Um, you, you're not supposed to be in the hallways. You're supposed to be in class. Right. Um, not, not doing anything. Uh, that's still tradition, I believe. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. Interest. Yeah. The flag. Yeah. Interesting. The, the I always thought that pledge allegiance to the flag not the people not the country yeah yeah like <laughs> yeah. yeah anyways i don't we don't want to get too political on that but <laughs> it is front and center it's here fair. yeah um i want to move into the music and i want to springboard from what you said we're not really lyrics guys but you touched on the lyrics so let's touch on that uh i assume this is a new album for you as it was for me yeah i I assumed I wouldn't know a whole lot, so I was kind of surprised at how many, especially the radio hits, were very familiar to me. Um, uh, but yeah, it was it was new enough to me that I didn't even understand that this was the album that had those very well known tracks. Oh, on it. okay, yeah, same. Um, I I knew the singles backwards and forwards, like I heard, yeah, you know, it was prime, you know, two thousand. That's right when we were listening to a ton of music, right? And I think is because these, I think these uh, singles. So much more than Equemini. Uh, Equemini was really big in the rap scenes or hip hop scene and, yeah. and kind of broke out of that Atlanta South scene, Dirty South rap to national. Mm -hmm. But I don't remember from being someone who's not into hip hop, I don't remember the first album touching me, at least not in right. Canada. Right. This, or, sorry, the previous album. This album, I mean, these singles crossed over into pop music, mainstream. Everybody was listening to these songs. Yeah, yeah, um, you'd hear them on like top forty. Absolutely. Radio. Um, yes. Yeah. And still, still, I hear them. Uh, the other day, <laughs> I've been trying to work through uh, Marvel's the Marvel TV shows on Netflix. So that's your oh, okay. Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Defenders, Punisher. So I started watching through those. So uh, I got to just just the other day. I got I started watching Iron Fist. Okay, very first scene, Iron Fist. He's he was in a plane crash in around 2002. He was away. Now 15 years later, he's coming back to New York. What does he have? He has his iPod. What is the opening song? As the very first shot is him. Walking into New York City, turns on his iPod. What is it? The that drum beat from So Fresh, So Clean. Because if he has an iPod from 2002, it's doesn't it make sense that that's one of the songs? And I was yeah. like, 
and that came out in 2017. So it's not like it was that long ago. Right. Um, and here it is. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a throwback, but you're not going to do something that's totally obscure or that nobody knew. So it has definitely permeated uh, Miss Jackson, obviously. Um, even B.O.B., I think, maybe a, a, not quite as poppy as the other two, but still, like, very, very well-known. Um, so I wanted to talk about the lyrics a little bit. Usually we don't talk about this first, but it's interesting you mentioned politics because my first few listens, the thing that I took away was, and I don't know if you felt this way. I'm curious if you did felt that this album was what much more sexual in nature than the previous one there are elements in both but i felt so many of these songs were so much more sexual or sexually explicit and even the interludes were much more sexual in nature than the previous one what did you pick up on that yeah well and i think i think it's the interludes for me that sets that tone uh mm. boy we we spoke about the other album so frequently but it didn't have interludes in the same way right it did but they were like sh- uh shorter less frequent okay. and a lot of them were tucked away at the end of tracks so these yeah. ones it's like a separate track listing yeah, yeah. for an interlude right a la, you know um uh, biggie's ready to die exactly a lot of those. exactly yeah and, that was my and many, uh, comparison in my head as i was listening like yeah. oh wow they're borrowing here on uh you know that style for this genre mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that, that was the first thing that jumped out with me for the lyrics and again i'm not a lyrics guy and an album like this and an act like this i think we talked about with equemini there are so many lyrics like i yeah you know we could we could spend a whole series of podcasts just breaking down the lyrics on this album <laughs> track by track. You know, yeah, there's, yeah. Just, there's so much, you know, and they, and they rap so uh, quickly at, at such a fast pace that they just, just you're bombarded with lyrics, which that's not a negative at all. Uh, it just means it's harder to digest it or really go through it all. Uh, but that's something I, I picked up on. I think what they've done, and maybe this is why it translates into pop radio, their lyrics they're so they're so talented at writing hooks and yeah, um, yes. So fresh and so clean, Miss Jackson and and Bob. Those songs immediately bring you to that sing-alongable chorus line. Whether you know what they're talking about or not, their their words like ha- have been given enough um, weight or or hook to really like latch on. And uh, yeah, so uh, I. I, especially when they are doing their really exceptional fast-paced rapping i, I have a hard time sometimes following what all is oh, yeah, going sure. on but man they're they're so gifted at bringing it all back around then to that hook that's gonna last and stay with you yeah a- absolutely um i think that's a good spring oh uh, one more question about the lyrics um you mentioned political is there something that stands out to you about the political nature of the lyrics was it just one or two things or or was there something in in particular that you well so i gotta watch myself here because i am about to say something that i think shows my bias but i expect i expect a group like this to be um referencing Injustice in the African American community. It feels like um, it feels significant that they're rapping rapping about Baghdad. Um, oh, okay. That uh, they're stepping beyond 
the concerns of uh, you know uh, urban Atlanta to international um, politics. Uh, right. You know, it it's all related. The injustice of the system, you know, it is racist, but it is also, uh, you know, uh, problematic in its colonization in general, <laughs> you know, wherever the United States goes. And so it shouldn't surprise me, but I, I guess I just assume for an album like this with this sort of quirky interludes, you know, like you said, very sexualized at times, that it also gets really serious with international politics that to me strikes me as unique or special or different than than say ready to die which is also sexualized but talks about life on the streets and and problems facing the black community um this goes steps beyond what the stereotype suggests that an album like this would tackle yeah and and even the the title yeah makes us think about um you know about uh, about the conflict in Iraq. Yeah. Yet, uh, the I'm I've gone through the lyrics and I don't. I'm not going to say I totally understand them, but they don't really talk about that. It's it sounds more like street violence or bang gang violence, right? Like even the chorus. You know, don't pull the thing out unless you plan to bang. Like yeah, that's about that's what gun violence like gang violence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Unless, unless they're using that language to talk about the conflict overseas, but I, I don't, I don't really know. But it's interesting. But I mean, were we, were we in the middle of the Iraq War? I guess we were at that point. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's so many of them. <laughs> uh, you know, pre-September 11th, right? So there's still ongoing conflict in the Gulf, no doubt, but. Um, but the and second still, wave uh, hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah. We're still in Clinton's administration, right? Yes. It's 2000, the hanging chads. Might have been. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Somewhere around there. I mean, that's, you know, I, I'm yeah. not, I'm not an American history buff, but sometimes when I listen to some of these things, we talked about this with other stuff, like, Oh, listen, all this political stuff. I think, I think it was to pimp a butterfly. We're going, Oh yeah, this gang stuff and and you know Trump and we're like, oh, hang on a sec, this is 2016. This is Obama. Like mm-hmm. we need to we need to check our. Or I'll speak for myself. Need to check myself when I go. Oh yeah, it must be this era or they're talking about this. Well, it was really bad here. It's like, well, some of these things have always been bad. <laughs> like it was like it's not like it was those sort of issues or or police brutality just became an issue. You know, for example, in the Trump administration. Oh yeah, it just became really bad then. Uh, no, it was bad before then. Right, right. It, it got worse, but right. it's not like that's where it started. Or that the um, or that the problems are partisan. Like it's it's good exactly. when one <laughs> when one party yeah. is in the White House and not the other. Yeah. Yeah, we go. Oh, we're at war. We're at war with another with an overseas country. It must have been, you yeah. know, a Republican administration. Yep. Nope. Yep. No, it wasn't. Right. Um, so, yeah. anyways, yeah. Uh, you, you're right. I, I probably. <laughs> Try to line when we start digging into politics, but it is is important part of that. A lot of these albums, a lot of these, you know, American albums. Um, but but I felt overall it was more sexual in nature, um, mm. and that's not a judgment. I'm just that's just what I heard. Did you did you think that this? Were you expecting 
an album very similar to Aquemini? The piece that I keep getting hung up on in my head is I think Hey Ya was their pinnacle. Like in a couple oh, of albums, right? Oh. When we get to Speaker Box and The Love Below. Yeah. So it's it's surprising to me I, that these two albums come before that and significantly before that one um, on this list. Uh, so, and maybe this is showing my ignorance to the genre, but I think they sort of really, really broke through. And as much as as this album really started that for them, the Kaya was everywhere and and so massive. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and maybe yeah. maybe because it's a double album, it's not quite as as fine tuned as this one or um, hmm. or the previous one. But I find myself thinking, like, what makes this great? And I'm jumping ahead here, maybe to <laughs> conclusions. Like, why why is this one held up as so much greater than um, the one that immediately comes to my mind Oof. first when I think about Outcast? Um, so I don't I don't think I'm surprised by what I find here. I expect some evolution from you know those three albums, from Aquemini to Stankonia to the eventual Speaker Box, The Love Below. But um, it's interesting mm. to me to sort of now have a bit more understanding about what got them to arrive at the point in 2003 where I go out and pick up that album because it is so big. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Huh. In- interesting. And I don't want to talk about that too much because we will review it eventually Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in a while because um, yeah. it is, it is also on this list. Yeah. That's a good point. How it goes. I would, I would think you would say, and I would agree with you their most commercially successful and mainstream albums go in the opposite direction. Speaker box, love below. Yeah. And then this one, and yeah. then Equemini, but that, but they're in the reverse order in, on the list. Right. Um, and I, is, you know, there might very, be an argument to say this one was really their biggest in terms of, in terms of those radio hits and, you know, Miss Jackson, especially just how, I feel yeah. like that was on every hour, yeah. you know. Um, oh yeah, oh, and yeah, that was every, all that across was radio genres. Um, but well, let's, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, let you finish. No, I was going to say You're maybe done? we move on to our favorite tracks. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Oh, sharing a brain, sharing a brain. Okay, um, okay. So we got to pick. Yeah. Uh, do you have one in mind? I, you know what? There's a lot I like here. The one that I think gripped me in a way that I wasn't expecting because it was a song I already knew was was B.O.B. Like I, okay. I, I don't yeah. know. Uh, it has like a power and maybe like a more minor key to its hook. And uh, I don't know. There's almost like a spooky element to it. It's got the sort of internet, like we've referenced the international um, themes, I guess. And... Uh, I think that one pulls me in every time I, it rolls around and I'm like, Oh, that's on the here too. Wow. Uh, feels so different than Miss Jackson or, um, uh, so fresh, so clean, which are also great, great, uh, radio hits as well. Um, but that's the choice for me. I think. I, I want to touch on that before I pick mine because they, um, uh, they had to deliver what they call just a frantic flow uh, in order to keep up with the tempo. So the tempo is 155 beats per minute, um, <laughs> which, which, you know, might mean nothing to you. 
um, if you don't do music, but that's fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just for reference, um, uh, staying alive is usually what we use for like uh, when we're doing compressions, CPR, uh, BGs, huh? Yeah. Huh? That's so that's a good steady up pace beat, right? So that's 103 beats per minute. <laughs> this is 155 so that's how fast it is it's a really fast song um in terms of of the pace so they had to adapt to that which they're totally capable of doing yeah yeah both of them uh which yeah which that song really is just so fun to me and jumps out um so i won't pick that one because you picked that one um oh boy ah uh, uh, okay, it's going to be one of the other singles um, because to me, I even though there's other ones on here that I like, those ones are just so good. Um, uh-huh. uh, okay, I'm going to pick "So Fresh, So Clean." Um, <laughs> I love the beat. It's it harkens back to uh, early hip hop in the late '80s, um, which often started with these beats that were just so iconic and and really embody kind of that genre at the time. Yeah. So I like the way it kind of, it, it isn't an old hip hop beat, but it is it is very indicative of this time and the new technology we had. And I like how kind of funky it is. Um, I felt that the previous album, Aquam and I, a lot of the music was really more funk and R&B and soul. Yeah. This one I hear a lot more like hard rock influence, like, yeah. like fuzzy, dirty electric guitars. Driving bass. Absolutely, you know. It gets a little funky with the closing track, um, which maybe is the yeah. anthem of Stankonia. I don't know, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a slower, slow groove and... Uh, yeah, but um, but so fresh right. so clean has way more of that funk sound, especially mm-hmm. you know, the, you get the like the Fender Rhodes um, keyboards, which is very you know seventies kind of funk and pop and even yacht rock, uh, <laughs> which we <laughs> talked about last week yeah. <laughs> with Asia. But um, I, I like that, and and I like the way that they kind of stretch out some of their syllables um, in the flow. There, it's uh, I think it's good. Miss Jackson. So I'm gonna pick "So Fresh, So Clean." Okay, okay. that's mine. <laughs> Miss, right. Miss Jackson is such a dynamite song. It's so good. It had a great music video, which back in the day really helped um, <laughs> as yeah. well because people are talking. And there wasn't YouTube yet, so you had to, you know, watch a lot of TV or tape it um, to see that. Although they played it all the time at the time. I think there's they take two verses each. Okay. So, so you get like one from Big Boy and then one from Andre, and then then you and then it repeats again. Um, and and I like that it's a it's based on a you know a story, a situation. Like it's it's based on. So we talked about even on the last album that uh, I think does she appear on both these albums? She might not be on this one. So Erica Badu. Uh, she does, yeah. She appears on both these albums, mm. but even before Aquem and I, she was in a relationship with um, Andre 3000. They did, they had a child. Um, so the inspiration of this song, it's not word for word, but the inspiration of this song is from kind of the relationship that he had with her mother. Um, and, and that's kind of what it talks about, about what it's like to be, uh, to be a father, but not li- obviously not 
not raising that child you know they're they're estranged in some way right <laughs> yeah uh uh i read that she um she didn't mind the song although she didn't like big boys first because it's a little more aggressive and it's not it's more um fictionalized okay um than than andre's uh verse which is a little probably a little more closer to his experience so um i don't take it word for word but it is based on you know something that happened like uh like brick by ben folds five you know the yeah yeah when you have a story that's personal to someone it makes it just a little more real and a little more accessible so there's just so many things about miss jackson it, it doesn't it's a hip-hop song without like it doesn't have to be to a hip-hop audience like everybody loves this song yeah um so many good things about it i won't keep going because i just keep going <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways, um, what else? What what else? Uh, what other songs? Like, to, to me, I found it. Okay, I'll I'll go real quick. Then you can go. Because <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of rambling now. Oh, how much time do you have? Uh, I'm st- I guess about 15 minutes or so. 15 minutes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, this is an album. I, I know you've said this before for albums. I really felt when I would. Okay, I'm gonna to listen to this album and kind of look at the tracks. I really had a hard time really remembering tracks that weren't the singles. Oh yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. so many and so many interludes. Like a lot of the other ones didn't really jump out to me. I think the one really that jumped out the most was Explosion featuring B Real. I, uh, he's from Cypress Hill. I recognized that voice right away. Um, but yeah, what about you? Were, were there other songs that really that jumped out for you, or were you kind of in the same boat where it was kind of like the singles were really good and the rest kind of fade away? Uh, that's definitely how I felt. Um, okay, <laughs> I I think the interludes they never really do it for me. Okay, and, and this album has a lot of them, and the mm-hmm. the sort of sexualization here too, um, you know, doesn't doesn't do much for me either. And so right. It's that kind of combo where I found myself really longing for something familiar that I already knew rather than probably mm-hmm. giving the rest of the stuff the credit that it deserves. Um, yep, that's is, I guess how I would describe it. I do really like that that closing song, um, Stankonia Stank Love. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but the rest, yeah, I guess as I'm skimming back through... Um, I'd probably feel some similar thoughts. Um, Gasoline Dreams, the uh, really the first full track. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know because I've pressed play on it fairly frequently. Um, right, but, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I would feel some similar thoughts to you. Yeah, uh, it, it's not bad. It's just an album, for me, an album where the, the hits just dwarf everything else. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like they're just the hits are so good. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I, we talked about that with the Stones. Like, you, you know, listen to a, a Stones album. It's got like, you know, um, uh, satisfaction. Can I get what you want? And you don't remember the rest. Yeah, because <laughs> right. those songs larger than life. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We talked about how this album was big, um, and it was a pretty big deal, not only in hip hop but in the mainstream pop uh, world. Uh, so is it is this album relevant now? Um, Hip hop's changed a lot in the last twenty two years. Uh, what do you think? Cool. Um, anytime there's a group t- 
trying to speak prophetically about the injustice in the world, I think it's going to remain relevant, especially mm-hmm. with this ridiculous country that I'm currently living in um, that has so much good about it and also so much that still needs work. Um, I, you know, I think sound-wise, this album's heralded for its production values and, you know, if this came out tomorrow, I don't think anyone would be too surprised. Uh, it, no. sounds, it sounds like Outcast, and it sounds like an Outcast yeah. album that could have been made tomorrow. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think from especially stylistically, this feels very relevant, and I guess thematically too. Uh, mm-hmm. I I don't really know um, because I'm not super in tune with with newer hip hop. If the interludes and the sexual uh, overt sexualization if those sorts of things have kind of fallen out of style with some of the way that culture has shifted over the last five years um that's a question for someone much smarter than either of us (laughs) but but uh but no i wouldn't be i think this is very relevant still it doesn't feel dated at all um even though it's 22 years old yeah i tend to agree with you i think uh there's a little more like I guess the best thing I can compare it to which isn't fair because uh, To Pimple Butterfly is now six years old so yeah right <laughs> but that's right. kind of to me that's a lot more modern than this but there's it's still got you know a lot of sexual uh, themes to it it's still got the interludes yeah um, it's still got a lot of the funk and soul samples and, and, and music being played um, it's still you know political yeah um all those things like it's all still there i think even we see sounds coming back you know sounds go in cycles right so uh (laughs) there's new sounds but then there's we play on old sounds so i mean an 80s sounds and moving into 90s sounds are really relevant right now yeah Um, yeah a lot of our our alt rock and pop is like like look at coldplay released an album the end of last year it could have been right out of the mid 80s some of it um you know that's very popular right now so so to even the even the the drum machines that they use in this album i think is coming back you know we i think we moved away from it for a bit it changed we did it was more acoustic for a while i'm talking about hip-hop and pop music yeah now it's come back you know like i think that one of the biggest differences would be especially if you think about pimple butterfly way more um tampering with the vocals and the sounds there um and it's it's a pretty pure sound here still uh, but yes, I'd agree with you. Very, like, extremely relevant. Very relevant. And you still hear these songs. Like, you still hear these songs. Like, getting mm-hmm. played, like the hits. So, yeah, for sure. Um, in terms of the, the position, this, this is number 64. Um, I think it's important here to talk about, you know, Aquemini on the previous list was 500 and moved to 49. This album was 361 and moved to 64. And then we usually do this at the end, but we'll do it now. The other album that we already referenced, which is on this list, Speaker Box, The Love Below, the double album, uh, that wasn't on any of the other lists. <laughs> and now it's here at, at 290. So it comes in, you know, just past halfway on the list. So maybe it's there's three more successful. Or maybe people are recognizing it as more than just, hey, yeah. Uh. <laughs> Well, and when, I mean, when the first list came out, like this hadn't been released yet or was released that year. Right. And then the second list didn't really have a whole lot of change. Like they added some hip hop. Yeah. um, And some from, you know, that kind of nine year 
in between period between the first two lists. Uh, but now, you know, it makes more sense to me. So anyways, well, we're not talking about that album, this one. <laughs> so uh, uh, Stanconia, it's pretty high up. Number 64. I mean, you want to go first on this one? You want me to go first? I think I still go back to like, why this order? Um, mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't mind this being at 64 and um, it's not a, it's not a perfect album in my mind, but a lot of stuff in the, in the 60s, 70s here isn't, isn't perfect. Uh, it's deeply influential. It's got lots of popularity. Mm-hmm. Um, so it fits for me. I'm just, you know, this happens anytime we've got multiple albums from the same artist. I'm always a little fascinated by how the voters, <laughs> if there were really voters, determined you know which one to put higher and and maybe just more people reference this album than than the other two or in yeah, the, that I, order yeah i i feel similarly i i feel like it feels a little high to me although i might have said the same about Equemini, but that's more because i wasn't familiar with it mm. uh, mm-hmm. i think in terms of i think this is another album that even though it was successful i think has so much to do with the influence on not just the genre, but think about what it did for rap hip hop from that part of the country. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and now think about how that, you know, how many hip hop acts are out of, um, you know, Florida, Miami, you know, all these other, you know, Texas, like lots of other areas where before this, not exclusively, but mostly was New York and, and LA, right? Like right, East right. coast, West coast. Like that was pretty much it. And, and, maybe to a lesser degree, you know, Philadelphia, which would have been grouped into the East coast thing. But I mean, with Equemini and even before that, they, you know, South's got something to say, right. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they put not just Atlanta, but the whole South on the map in terms of making really good hip hop. So I think that alone is a good reason to to justify being up here. Again, having the two jump up so much and be so close together is interesting. Having Equemini be ahead of this is interesting. And even, you're right, Speaker Box, some of those hits were just, again, genre bending, um, just crossing over all genres. But uh, yeah, yeah. I'm okay I'm okay with it. Like, like it doesn't bother me here. Uh, I don't th- think I would agree if it was higher. If it was lower, a little bit lower, that'd be fine. Um, but yeah, no, I understand. I understand why it's here. I understand the significance. We've already talked about, uh, uh, the other albums. So we have one more go at this with speaker box with love below, which will be in a while It's number two ninety, So about 230 spots away, but excited to talk about that because that's so unique the way they did that. Uh, but that will be for another day. Um, anything else to add Ben before we wrap it up here? This is unrelated, but I noticed today on a billboard in town that um, an artist from the list of the 500 greatest albums is coming to town here soon. And um, I was wondering, first, if you could guess who that was, and second, if you think I should go. Okay, you want me to just guess? Like, just (laughs) (laughs) an artist from the 500 list. An artist Uh... from the 500 list that um, was not making music the last time that the list came out. Uh, so a, a new is, edition. Is it Bruce Springsteen? Is it Bruce Springsteen? No, Bruce was on the earlier lists. Oh, hadn't made music yet. Oh, right. I think he meant like stopped. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, although he didn't stop either. No. Uh, Kendrick Lamar? Not Kendrick Lamar. Bruno Mars? 
Not Bruno no, Mars. Harry Styles? Not Harry Styles, but you're getting warmer. <laughs> I don't, okay. Billy Eilish. Oh, Billy Eilish. <laughs> my birthday buddy. Birthday buddy. Oh, really? Maybe oh, yeah, December do, 18th. I'll write her a message and say, hey, my friend's got the same birthday as you. Can I get some free tickets yeah. for your state college yeah. show? <laughs> yeah. Like, But she's like 21. Right. <laughs> right, right. I am not 21. Right. Um, Billie Eilish. Okay. Uh, yeah. You want to go? Yeah. You want to come with? Let's go. Okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, can I get across the border yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Yeah. Uh, We'd actually want to go to an indoor concert uh, in central Pennsylvania is a very different thing, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, that's exciting that you have a big act coming to State College. Yeah. Every once in a while, oh, yeah, huge, things pass through town. Huge yep. college, college crowd, right? right. So, yep. Uh, okay. Well, on that note, uh, <laughs> what we got coming up next week? This is a uh, a review we've already done, Ben. A review we've already done. Sorry, we've we've had quite a stretch here of uh, mostly new stuff. So we apologize to our long-term fans who um, who have to put up with with us. Um, but yeah, next is a, uh, a James Brown album and a very one of maybe our favorite guests that we've ever had. Uh, we're talking about Live at the Apollo, nineteen sixty-two, um, which comes in at number sixty-five, and. Um, we, it's a great episode. So uh, yeah. even if you heard it before, please go back and listen to our conversation again with Joe Bowie, um, who got to witness and experience James Brown and all his greatness. So um, yeah, it's insightful and wonderful. Yeah, please, please uh, look forward to that one. You, I mean, it's up there already from our previous run yeah. of this list. So you're welcome to go and listen to it ahead of time. But a fantastic conversation with uh with Joe, who was so gracious to to walk us through that era, and and all the nuances of it. So, uh, as always, uh, thank you for joining us once again. Uh, we hope that you continue to stay well. You take care of yourselves and those close to you, and of course that you join us again right here on the Sound Logic Podcast. Thanks, everyone. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.